people of Earth, if you can hear my voice, happy holidays. You have arrived at another episode of Breakfast with Brent Pope. I am your host, Brent Pope, and my guest today is the man, the myth, the enigma, Ray Stacanus. He hosts some outstanding podcasts. Who would win, knowing it's half the podcast? Ray's and Brent? He works in the video game world. He has worked in the world of independent pro wrestling, and he has lost many bets to me over the years, and I've also lost bets to him. So, in this corner, is it Commander Shepard? Is it the Fallout Vault Dweller? Is it Leroy Jenkins? No, it's Ray Stacanus today on Breakfast. Pick it up! Welcome to Breakfast with Brent Pope. Breakfast. This young lady just smashed the lids on all these cakes in the bakery section. <laughs> I could go on a Hallmark card. My uh, guest today. Oh, I'm going to need to hear all about that. I didn't need any extra sausage. He adds character to my crew. <laughs> Is a goat pit a real thing? What? Welcome to Breakfast with Brent Pope. Great place to hang out and good food, too. I'm always playing blue collar guys. Somebody screwed through the pipe. I wouldn't jump up and down until we stabilized the hydraulics. I love a crawler. All yeah. my uncles got the gout. Jalapeno slash cheddar waffles. Who doesn't love that? It's breakfast time. Breakfast. The only show where bacon, pancakes, Hollywood. I'm your host, Brent Pope. Race to Canis. Welcome to Breakfast. It is such a pleasure to be here. You know, you've been doing this show for quite a while, and the constant question I keep getting asked is, Ray, how come you've never been on Brentfist before? And the answer is, I don't know. I don't know what I did to upset <laughs> Brent Pope, but I mean, here we are today, righting a wrong. I'm excited to be here before the calendar year 2020 ends, so either I can make 2021 look better for some people, or really grind it to a halt for someone. That's right. Well... Uh, I will say this. One of the things that we do right now together is uh, you have a podcast called Who Would Win. Describe Who Would Win to people in a, you know, what's the elevator pitch? Sure. Uh, the Who Would Win show is where you take Lincoln-Douglas-style debates, but take it to the world of fictional characters and who would win in a fight. So myself and my co-host, James Gavsey, uh, both pick a character or a group of characters, and we go back and forth with three specific points and three specific rebuttals each about who would win in a fight for a neutral judge, ideally, and then that person will decide at the end of it who had the better argument, who wins the fight, and then they take us through their logic and tell the story of how they see it would turn out. Nice. Succinct. And that describes the show perfectly. We're going to get into that later because I really want to get into it. And I know you Who Would Win fans are out there. So, yeah, hold on. We're going to get to that. Uh, Ray, we originally met at I.O. West. The I.O. West. Yeah. R.I.P. Uh, used to write for a show called Top Story Weekly. And I was a performer in that show. So that's how we kind of originally met. Uh, that is correct. I, you know, I was with that show when it was called the Big News Show, and I joined it in it would have been two, summer of two thousand six, actually, uh, as a performer and a writer. It was a topical for those of you at home. Uh, top story with Philip Wilburn having been on the show before, you know all about it. But Top Story Weekly, as it later became known, weekly sketch comedy show, new show every week, all about the events of the last seven days, and a lot of fun to do and a lot of work. It was great to do a weekly sketch show based on the news because that meant you had to come up with the material that week. Mm -hmm. And so it kept you on your toes as far as learning lines. It kept the topics current. I give Top Story Weekly a big nod as far as my development as, as a comedian. Oh, absolutely. And just in life in general. I mean, how many people from that show are still in our day-to-day -day lives as we, as we go about them? And some, you know, are doing wildly different things, you know, than sketch comedy and everything. Shoot, you know, uh, uh, my wife, Melissa, I met doing that show. So here we are. 
Absolutely. And I also met your wife doing that show. I think you so. met her before before I met you, if I remember this correctly. I uh, think correct. she was still doing the show, and I had taken some time away from it when you joined. And so I, I come back into the fold, and she's like, there's this guy, Brent Pope. You want to stay away from him. There is a sliding doors version of, of the world where I only had the first part of that story where I met Melissa and never met Ray, and my life is much better right now. Yeah. Just put no, that no, that's, was, that's the one you want to find as a time traveler, that's for sure. <laughs> One thing I always have found interesting about you is that you uh, were in the independent pro wrestling community as a wrestler back in the day, uh, along with my friend Phil Lander. Phenomenal Phil. Phenomenal Phil's a man. We've worked on the same Um, shows together, and we didn't even know each other. Sometimes (laughs) that happens. I heard recently on the Who Would Win podcast that you were once beaten in a wrestling match by a one-legged man. Oh, you heard that. I have to hear this in detail. (laughs) <laughs> and <laughs> okay, this is a true story. Now, I was I had two stints as a pro wrestler, one back in Michigan when I lived in the greater Detroit area. And then the second time when I came back, re-went through wrestling school a second time uh, with Rick Drazen, uh, rest his soul. And and wow, what a wonderful time to wrestle all over Los Angeles as well. Now, the one-legged man story takes us back to Detroit. It was for a one-shot, one-time promotion called Livonia Entertainment Wrestling. Wow. And I was there and I won the tag team titles in that particular show with my tag team partner, Melvin Hertz. We were collectively known as the destroyers of the universe. And we had a lot of fun wrestling up and down all of Michigan, Upper Peninsula and what have you. Now, this particular show, one of the promoters of the show who, I, you know, is kind of a squirrely guy, let's, let's face it. But he was supposed to wrestle. And the whole point of doing this show with this one-off was some of these people who never really wanted to, they wanted to be in the ring, but they didn't deserve to be. They never went through school. So they sort of hired these people to have these kind of matches with them that were not going to be very good. But the one kid who was supposed to do the match against a one-legged man, and his name is Zach Gowan. He's he's now a, he went on to the WWE. He wrestled Vince McMahon on a pay per view, and he was fresh, fresh, fresh as a wrestler. He actually went to the same training school as I did, the Thunder Zone Wrestling School. Uh, shout outs to all of the above. And so I knew him before this show had ever taken place. We had worked together. We had trained before together. And so the guy who was the promoter who wanted to wrestle Zach got a real bad case of cold feet right before the show started. He got real scared. He said, I can't do the things physically that I'm supposed to be doing. I can't get in the ring in front of people and fight this guy. And so I just sort of was like, okay, no problem. I know I have a tag team match later in the show. I'm going to help you out. I've worked with Zach before. I will be more than happy to wrestle uh, Zach Gowan in the ring. Uh, instead of you, and I will take your spot so you don't even have to worry about the show because whatever. And he's like, great, no problem. So I go out there, and he goes out to introduce himself as the as the star, as the guy who's about to wrestle, and then I just come to the ring, I shout at him, I hit him with a chair, and I throw him out of the ring, and I take the match instead of him. It was really fun. Now, that match itself was really important, I guess, for historians, <laughs> wrestling historians. It's not important in any way, but I like to think it was because Zach Gowan... Uh, nobody wanted to put him over. Nobody had ever lost a match to Zach Gowan before because egos, even in Detroit area independent wrestling, are very, 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 very high. They're very large pretty much anywhere that you go in the world of independent wrestling. And nobody wanted to be the guy who lost to the one-legged man. But wouldn't you know it, on this particular day, for the first time in his career, Zach Gowan got a victory, a surprise victory, as I tried to throw him up over my shoulders, and he came down from nearly the sky with an incredible atomic, uh, uh, what do you call it, 
uh, an RKO, I guess you would call it these days. We had other names for it back in the day. But an RKO from the heavens to take me out for the count of three to get his first professional victory. And wouldn't you know it, congratulations to Zach Gowan, who went on to become a much bigger name wrestler than Almighty Ray. <laughs> wow. Let me ask you this, Ray, because I don't know too many people in, in this world. What, I mean, what's the biggest lesson you take away from those days? Uh, to, you know, take care of yourself, quite honestly, you know, because you get an area where you have a lot of ego and you got a lot of people trying to do a lot of big showy kind of things. And you have to understand your limitations and you have to understand what the person you're in there with can do as well. There were too many times I, there was I would be in the ring with somebody who would be like, I want to do this move. And I know full well you all can't do that move. And I'd say, okay, I'm up for it. Let's try it anyway. And then I get a dude's entire weight falling on my skull. <laughs> Oh, and you, you learn to say no, you learn to, to, to not take bad risks, but and you also kind of learn you, internally though, uh, aside from that, you learn how you, you learn a lot about yourself. You learn about your own fortitude. Like, what can I withstand? What can I do? Can I wrestle a 20 minute match in front of a group of spectators and have it be fun from start to finish? You learn these things. You learn how tough you can be. And I really appreciated a lot of the lessons and a lot of the even showbiz lessons I learned from wrestling uh, because so much of, it, of what I learned in wrestling applies to acting, applied to you know theater, writing, improv, the whole thing. Very cool. What is your, I guess, either you can tell me your favorite move or what is the move that you were best at in wrestling? Oh man, you know, we had a we had a tag team maneuver with myself and Melvin Hertz. It was our tag team finisher and it was invented. Oh, who invented it? Uh, it might have been Truth Martini, it might have been Bucky Sawyer. There are so many people back in Detroit uh, who helped us out along the way. Uh, but this move was absolutely fantastic in that it, it, we both uh, whipped the guy off the ropes together. He hits the opposite rope. I chase after him while Melvin Hertz stands in the center of the ring. The guy, after bouncing off the second rope, Melvin picks him up in the air like he's about to give him an atomic drop, except he spins himself in a 180 direction, so that way the guy is facing me as I'm now coming off of the ropes. Mm -hmm. And I jump, and I give him a flying clothesline at the same time he gives him a spine buster. And it always got a pop. It always was a great maneuver. And it's a maneuver that hasn't been done in wrestling since. At least I've never seen it. It's a really, really cool timing maneuver that's hard to get right. But once you do it enough times and get it right, it will stop a show. I love those high-flying moves where... It just looks like, oh, you can tell that's got to hurt. Even though you guys, you know, in some ways have to protect yourselves and can't really be, you know, taking the full, you shouldn't be taking the full brunt of some of this stuff. But still, if you sell it and it but looks. But you do. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> well, the big key is you train your body to just uh, uh, love punishment. You train your body so that way all the falls and all the hits and all the punches and everything, you train your body to expect it. So actually, there were times when I was wrestling where if I went a couple days without falling over and, and getting into a ring and getting thrown around, my body got sore from not doing it, which is crazy if you think about it. That's crazy, even if you don't think about it. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, congrats on that, man. I, we've never really talked in depth about your uh, wrestling days. and uh, I, I, know I, it's a, I know we only have like a half hour, but I have so many more <laughs> stories to share. Uh, you know, may, maybe a return appearance in 2023 when I'm finally allowed back again. We'll just talk only about wrestling. Ray, it won't be 2023. 2028. I've got you penciled Thank in you. for 2028. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you are known mostly right now as uh, a person that hosts a lot of podcasts. 
Yes. And back in the day, you know, I look, I attribute it to one of your earlier podcasts uh, called Raisin Brent. That's a was, fa- that's a world famous show. Yeah. Uh, we, I remember we were like, maybe we'll do a podcast together because you and I, when we come together, it's always, it's just like wonderful friction, I think, you know? Yes. I think um, wonderful friction might be the best way I've ever heard it put. <laughs> and uh, we, I remember we had come up with an amazing name for the show and then we both <laughs> forgot the name of the show and then we're like, let's just go with the really bad pun that sounds like Raisin Bran, Raisin oh. Brent. It was so bad because we were at, we were at a party and we had both were having fun we'll say and we were playing poker and over the course of this poker game as as the spirits were flying we came up with a, 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 the, the best name ever for the show we're like that's it oh my god that's it and we both woke up the next morning uh, feeling a little woozy and neither of us could remember the name of it nor could anybody else from that day so we had to go with the cereal box version of the name which was our backup in case we couldn't uh, come up with anything else and we've still never <laughs> remembered we never what? remembered it <laughs> well we will never remember what that name was but it was the perfect no. name no <laughs> but th- i thought that was uh it was a fun podcast I felt like the dynamic on that show, you know, if you guys want to go back and listen, uh, where can Show's they find still that, up. Ray? Yeah. You can where just can go on iTunes. Uh, Raisin Brent, it's on Stitcher. It's on iTunes. Uh, we never took it down. It's it's still up there if you want to hear about sports from like five years ago. <laughs> yeah, if you want to hear us arguing about sports and me just trying to derail a show the entire time and you trying to keep the show <laughs> from going yes. off the rails, which seems like uh, a weird... Uh, it's weird to think about now. Yeah. So let's get to who would win because I know there's a lot of who would win fans out there. That I, I, oh, look, the who I had, would winners. I had uh, James Gavsey on. Great I'm episodes sorry. with James. Uh, look, I want to challenge. I I always hear from the who would win fans because I judge. I am the executive vice president of who would win. Yes, you are. And I sometimes will judge the shows. I will decide who wins and loses the shows. And every time Ray loses, I just get inundated with these people saying, you're unfair to Ray. And I mean, I don't know what they call what they call those. The, the Ray the Ray is writers. I don't know. Oh, they're the uh, hashtag awkward allies. Okay. <laughs> hashtag awkward allies. So since all these awkward allies are always calling me out and saying that, oh, I'm unfair to Ray, and I have Ray on my show right now. I'm right expecting, I'm expecting this show to have one of the most downloads in the history of the show and definitely far exceed James Gavsey's. If, if these awkward allies of Ray are uh, correct in their assumptions, I would expect them to have way more downloads than James Gavsey. Am I, am I correct, Ray? I, I can't see a world in which I don't get at least double the downloads that James did when he was on the show. Wow. And, and not Look. only that, I'll even challenge James Gabsy fans. Go back and listen to his, too. I don't even care if you get extra numbers for James. I'm still going to double it. Wow. All right. You know what? You never lack in confidence, Ray, at least publicly, and I love that. <laughs> that's one thing I love. I mean, I should And that's one thing that makes it great to judge your, uh, your episodes of Who Would Win because you, I mean, you're both just very confident, but the way your confidence comes across is like, it's indignant. You know, it's like, how dare you think that I'm losing to James? The entire idea that I would lose an episode of Who Would Win is already laughable to me. I would believe that 95% of the time, I should win the matches. Now, my official record is not, in fact, with a 95% win percentage. So all I can do at the end of the day, since I know I'm the better debater, I know I have the better characters, all I can assume is that something is biased or rigged against me. Uh, in fact, I'd like some recounts of some previous ones. I've actually hired a, a big New York lawyer 
who's going to come on out. Uh, he's got a lot, he's got some hair dye issues he's got to fix up. But then once he gets those sorted, he's going to go back and relitigate some of the previous battles. And I believe when he is done, we should be at about 95%. Right. We've recounted all of the episodes that I judged. And I have to say there was no evidence of widespread fraud. Uh, there was a dude. You not, I have a video on YouTube I saw where a suitcase full of ballots for that episode was found under being brought in and put under your desk after the show. So I'm just, I, you know, I just want to put it out there. I believe some of these results were clearly fraudulent and uh, fake. And anybody else uh, who disagrees is fake news. Well, as the executive vice president of Who Would Win, I just have to say, in response to that allegation, don't worry about that. Thank you. Okay. Well, I can't worry about them. <laughs> anyway, congrats. Uh, you know, since you've been on the Who Would Win show, and since uh, and since I have also uh, taken a kind of a leadership role in the background, I feel like the show is just skyrocketing. Uh, if you're into comic books or video games or any type of nerd culture, you're gonna like this show. And it's a great thing. It comes out once a week. And you and James are very entertaining, and you always have, you know, great, great uh, judges on of cool people to, that you that are on the show, and you also interview a little bit because they're they're interesting people in the entertainment industry. You have a lot of voice actors and things like that, so I do enjoy that. And you know, let's let's make twenty twenty one the year that who would win really blows up. I think it's time. You know, season three of Who Would Win starts in 2021. And Brent, you've been in some of these meetings. We have good things planned. We have big things planned. And we are ready to take the show to another new horizon. I think season two took the whole thing from season one and escalated it up a notch where we did start to get bigger name judges. We got a lot of voiceover talent. You know, I can tell you when the pandemic hit, we had a lot of plans to do a lot of live shows all around the country. And of course, that stopped happening. Uh, we did ended up doing one live show in, I think it was January, maybe February. Dear Lord. And and so what, what do you do at that point? We went from doing a live show. We went from doing shows that we recorded in locations with you know celebrities. And now all of a sudden, we're stuck at home. So we decided, what's the best angle to do here? Hey, voiceover talent has microphone setups that you can rely on in their houses. And they all have to be their own engineers at this point. Let's just get as many voiceover talents as we possibly can on the show while, and make the best of this right here. And it's blown up in a way I couldn't have even comprehended. People love the voiceover people because they're the best people in entertainment. Well, sure. The best people <laughs> in entertainment. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I will say that's true because, you know, when I did the one, the one time you couldn't do a show when we were doing a live show. And sure. this is just for my fans. We have, we've talked about this on Who Would Win. But I went up against – I had to go up against James Gaffsey, the, you know, indomitable James Gaffsey. It's a big uh, ask. Yeah. At the uh, – what was it? The was it Long the Beach Long Comic Beach? Expo. Long Beach, Long Beach Comic Expo. Yep. And we had judges in that. And the judge that put me over the top was a voice actor. So, yes, I will say they there are the best. Well, Thank you know you. why I, I couldn't do that show is because we were in the middle of making a big-time video game, and unfortunately, video game crunch is a very real thing in the industry, and it did absorb a lot of my time, which is why you had to step in for me, and you did a great job in that match, I've heard. Oh, well, thank you. And we're going to get into uh, your, all of your stuff in video games in a second. Um, who would oh, win? Sure. Everyone should listen to that show. It, 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 it's great. And uh, let's see, let's see who ends up with more downloads, Ray or James. I'm very interested. I have my suspicions, but uh, you know, we'll see what Look, happens. Ha hashtag Ray is right. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> well, you do another show uh, with 
with one of the other guests I've had, Gina Ippolito, you do, and uh, Robert Clark Chan, you do mm-hmm. a show called Knowing Is Half the Podcast. That's true. Which is, uh, I think it just started out just being a G.I. Joe podcast. Correct. Right? And now it's kind of branched off because there's a finite number of episodes of, of uh, G.I. Joe. Correct. So tell yeah. me about that podcast a little bit. Well, I was already doing Raisin Brent at the time, and I said I kind of want to do something a little bit different to, to shake it up a little bit. So I like talked with Robert. Good? Something I mean, I want to do something better, quite frankly. And so oh, wow. we... <laughs> And so I'm a huge fan of G.I. Joe since I was a kid. Look, G.I. Joe was my big thing when I was a child of the 80s and early 90s. And uh, G.I. Joe was just the thing. I just loved it. I had a ton of the figures and vehicles and play sets. I watched the cartoons to death. I loved the movie, like all of it above. A huge, huge G.I. Joe mark that's continued to this day. So we're thinking about if we take a piece of media, and I was talking with Robert Clark Chan at length about this. We need to find a show or find a property that we can just talk about. Because that's basically all you need for a podcast. You, know, you have a topic, and then you just have the, the host. And it's really about the hosts, not the topic. The topic is what gets people in the door. And then the host is what keeps them in the house, right? And so the two of us were brain, brain trusting or brainstorming, I should say, a whole bunch of different ideas and shows. And I said, look, I think G.I. Joe, if it's as weird as I remember it, I think this is this is ripe. And there are and I looked, there were no G.I. Joe cartoon podcasts in existence at the time. So we came over, we watched one random episode together, and it was the episode where it's, it's a season two G.I. Joe episode where Sergeant Slaughter goes back to ancient Greece. <laughs> and so does some of Cobra. And he has to perform the trials of Heracles. In order to uh, go back to his own home time, it's a real weird episode involving aliens and just a real outlier as far as weirdness goes, although it's a very weird show. And Chan watched He's like, yo, we could talk about this for hours, <laughs> just this one episode. And so we, we got on. I did not know Gina Ippolito before she came on board, but Chan did from his work, I believe, at the Pack Theater, I want to say. And so he said, uh, we got it. We, we wanted to have a third host that came in and brought a totally different uh, uh, ideas and energy. And he said, you got to You got to meet Gina Ippolito. She's fantastic. And so I said, sure. So literally the very first episode we recorded, I met Gina as she walked in the door. And then we sat down roughly five minutes later and just started recording. Wow. Which is crazy. But like, you know, and, and so now we're all really good friends. We have a great time. Uh, we, we, we chat on the side a whole bunch, and we still do it. I think it's, what, been four or five, maybe five years at this point. This show's been going on a really long time. There are over, I believe, 500 episodes of this show in existence. So uh, check it out, Knowing is Half the Podcast, wherever you find your podcast. Did I do an episode of Knowing is Half? I thought I did. You did. But maybe it's, you, okay. did you did a, a little rosy episode yeah. because you uh, famously, world famously, were a, a big time member of an episode of Roseanne when the oh, reboot true. came out. And so we wanted to get something that tied into that. And I've been wanting to have you on the show for a while. And so we're like, oh, great tie in here. He's on Roseanne. We got Little Rosie, a show we've been wanting to do because we do 80s and 90s cartoons now. It's not just G.I. Joe anymore because we're almost out of G.I. Joe episodes to watch. But uh, that's how it goes. Yeah. Well, I had a lot of fun doing that show, and it, it's a fabulous show. Uh, Jeannie Polito was a guest on Breakfast, writing on The Unicorn, which is a great mm-hmm. show. She wrote on some great shows, too. The regular show uh, she wrote on. Regular show, I should say, not the regular show. Regular show she wrote on Powerpuff Girls. So th- she's done a lot of really good stuff. Yeah. You mentioned Robert Clark Chan there, and I don't think we need to talk about We don't need to stroke his ego any more than it is. He does a great job on the show, and I just want to leave it at that. I will say, you know, going back to who would win, he's one of my favorite judges on who would win when, he's a, you uh, know when what? he comes on who would win. 
I give him a real hard time because the first time we had him on the show, we did agents, uh, we did shield like as in agents of shield, but we did the organization of shield versus the organization of Cobra, uh, from GI Joe. And I'm like, this is a slam dunk Chan. We do a GI Joe podcast together. I've got Cobra here. I've got three great points. And at the end of it, Chan's just like, mm, I think shield wins because Cobra runs away a lot. And I got so annoyed at him. <laughs> we can't lay this up better for me. And then of course be him being, um, Chan, <laughs> he decided to spike that volleyball right in my own face and say, no, actually, that is not going to happen. So I still give him a hard time about it because it was the wrong decision then. It's the wrong decision now. Chan, you do good other, other shows, though, so that's good. Wow. That sounds a lot like when I judge your shows, then you happen to lose. But then when you win, it's like, you know. Well, when I win, the- you made the right call, obviously. <laughs> uh, you and I personally have at times played games together online we have you you actually want to bring that up you want to talk <laughs> sure. about that Why these are not? not good these these stories do not make brent pope look good so i am more than happy to share them <laughs> uh, we, hey, you know brent, have brent's, no... go, ahead. No, go ahead no brent is not a competitive gamer right brent likes to play a lot of single player experience games i think that is a fair statement to make correct I, I think that's true. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I am. I am all of the above. Look, I'm. I'm an everything gamer. I like story based games. I like action based games. I like puzzle based games. I love multiplayer games. I, I love it all. There, I play pretty much everything under the sun because it all scratches different itches and it all is wonderful. I just. I'm a big fan of games. If you didn't realize that. Oh, hello. So me and Brent Pope, way back in the day on the Xbox 360 days, I believe, played a multiplayer game called Far Cry 3. <laughs> now, that is ordinarily a single-player experience that me and you both finished, me and you both loved, but there yeah. are co-op missions in Far Cry 3. So where cooperative you go through, missions. Thank right. you. Co- co-op. So two-player, working-together missions, and we tried to play those. And let me just say right now, Brent Pope is one of the worst video game players <laughs> You will ever find under the sun. Okay, I'm not giving you enough credit, but I'm probably even in saying that giving you too much credit. Interesting. Uh, We we tried playing these missions, and what would happen is I'd say, okay, Brent, here's the deal. I want want you to kind of run from station to station through this cave, and I'm Mm going to go up on the ridge with the sniper rifle, and I'm just going to pick off the enemies. All I need you to do is just stay alive, and then I'll just tell you when to move to the next station, and we'll get through this level together. And Brent Pope would just run head on into the fight every single time and get killed. Leroy Jenkins. That's he me. would, <laughs> or he would sit in the wrong place and get flanked and destroyed because he just wasn't noticing the person creeping up around him. And I did my best. I would get lots of kills in these matches. And Brent, I just could not carry Brent. So I said, Brent, obviously what we have to do here is flip it up. I'll be the guy on the ground. I'll play a little bit more aggressively. All I need is a little bit of covering fire from you from the sniper's roost. So we traded spots, felt like this has to work. And Brent kept dying up in the sniper's roost over and over again. Half the time he would just leave it and die on the battlefield. And I would, I've never been more frustrated with Brent Pope, except we were trying to play Far Cry 3. But I did find it really funny. That, like, I wasn't trying to die in those games. I'm not going to pretend like I was just dying intentionally on the games. But the more That's I started dying and being terrible at the game... It did make me laugh a lot, the, how frustrated you were getting. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I believe, I believe it got to a point when you didn't care that you were playing terribly because it was upsetting me, and that made more fun for you. Correct, yeah. I think that At is that a very point, fair statement. Now look, hey, fair is fair. We also just uh, played a game called I've, Man of Medan. 
I don't want to talk about that. Why not? <laughs> okay, listen. We there's a game called Man of Medan. It's Dark Picture. What is it? Dark Pictures Anthology Series, mm -hmm. Man of Medan. It's free on Xbox Game Pass right now, and it's made by the people who made Until Dawn, the horror story classic game. That's all, only on PlayStation. It's a wonder. I highly recommend all these games. I believe the company's name is Supermassive. I don't work for them. I'm not getting a check from this. They just make good stuff, and you should check it out. So me and Brent, they have a version where you can play two people over the internet together, and you both control characters kind of at the same time, and you're telling kind of a cooperative story together. And so it involves five characters who have a series of adventures, we'll say. I don't want to spoil anything. And at the end, at the end of it, only two characters were left alive of the five. And regrettably, my actions are the ones that caused all three of the deaths on our team. So Brent got to kind of throw that in my face. Thank you. Who's I, I terrible now? You are still terrible, Brent, because oftentimes your mishandling of things put us in positions where I got us killed. For example, anything that involved the breathing exercise, if you'd like to tell the people about that. Uh, look, no. It, it's like the rhythm. <laughs> it's like a rhythm game you had to play with, like, this heartbeat thing. I, I, just, correct. I was failing miserably. You're correct. I was failing miserably at that. That was bad. We never, uh, we never hid successfully once the entire game. We did a lot of running. <laughs> it, we did a we lot did of not, running. Every time we are supposed to hide, I was supposed to do this rhythm game where it would keep your, I guess, your breath so they couldn't hear you. Yeah. Yeah. You're just and trying to I, hold still and keep your, every keep time, your, yeah, yeah. No. Yeah. It'd, be, it'd be like one heartbeat, like, boop, and it'd be already gone. We'd already failed it. But here's what's funny is I still had a lot of fun playing that game just because it I was... I had a blast. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I want to I go through a second run with you. Maybe maybe at some point, maybe a, a maybe it's happened before the time this actually releases, uh, but maybe we could, we could stream it at some point, maybe while we're both on break. Ooh, that might be fun. Yeah. Might be fun. I don't know. I'm, I'm totally making that up at the moment. I don't even know if we can do that, but we could try. We could try. Before we go any further, we had breakfast from Blue Jam Cafe. We did. A uh, place that I really enjoy. They don't have the thing that I always say is one of my favorite breakfasts in Los Angeles, which is the uh, brunch carbonara. Uh, mm. They don't have that right now. It's like risotto with bacon in it and uh, peas in it and poached eggs on top in uh, pesto sauce. Amazing. They don't have it right now, apparently. But, Ray, you have the signature dish, which is the crunchy French toast dipped crunchy in their— Crunchy French toast. Yeah. How, mm. dipped in their secret batter. So how how was that? It was excellent. It, I, it came uh, mixed with strawberries and chopped up strawberries and blueberries. Mm -hmm. And it also came with a cream sauce, sort of like a whipped cream kind of a, a consistency sauce. Yeah. But it was it, it was thick. So you could like spray it's a it vanilla on like a bean. sauce. I think exactly. They, right. And then it's and it was also all really good. It's rolled in cornflakes also, right? The Yes, and so it was cornflakes, and it felt like they must have been like uh, dusted in sugar or something. So you had this sort of crispy element on the outside of the French toast, and it was the cornflakes, and like I say, it was a little sugary, it was a little sweet, and it added a certain consistency to it. So that's what made it the crunchy French toast, because in the middle of it, it was you know very decadent, very soft, and very easy to eat. And I powered through an entire box of that, and I want to say about 60 seconds. Wow. I, I took some pictures of it because I wanted you to have those for the show. I got a glamour shot of me about to eat it. And then I can promise you, if you look at the camera, one minute later, that thing was gone. I inhaled it like it was my job because it was delicious. I need to look up the number of calories so I can calculate the calories you ate Oof. that minute. I don't want to think about it. <laughs> I had the Blue Jam Benedict, which is the, their take on an Eggs Benedict. Uh, poached eggs, which I love. They're, I find them impossible to make at home. Uh, English yeah. muffin on top of English muffin, black forest ham with crispy bacon and grilled potatoes. And what's funny is I usually ask for the hollandaise sauce on the side because I'm not a huge fan of hollandaise sauce. 
I actually, when I dropped off the holidays, or when I dropped off the food at your house, I left the holidays sauce in the bag. So I did not have hollandaise sauce, but I was okay with that because I don't generally like hollandaise sauce anyway. But I think that's a test of a, of a, if a Benedict is good is if it's still good without the hollandaise sauce. And sure. it was. Yeah, I, I love that place. I think it's uh, it's not that expensive for as good as it is. You know, yeah, and you, some breakfast places you pay a lot, you get a little. This is a place you do pay a little bit, but you get you get plenty enough. It's high end. You know, you heard the ingredients are great. They cook it well. It even traveled well. Like I was a little surprised that at how well those potatoes, like not you know, you get breakfast potatoes and you have to wait like a half hour or forty five minutes to eat them. They can get a little soggy. These were still crisp, so they knew what they were doing. They 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 took that into consideration when they made them, and I think they made them a little extra crispy so that they travel better. Which I really Love appreciate. Love it. Love it. Well, anyway, Blue Jam. There's several locations of Blue Jam throughout Los Angeles. Love that place. Uh, I, I can't wait till we can go back and eat at places just with no restrictions. And because that's a place I really like to just hang out. And uh, the just the smells in the place is amazing. And There's a lot of those kind of places all around Los Angeles. And I find myself missing all of them. Pink's hot dogs, for gosh sakes. I haven't had a Pink's since the pandemic started. And it's driving me crazy. Wow. Yeah, Pink's hot dogs, man. That's a cool place. It always seems like Pink's hot dogs, if you don't get them at the Pink's itself, like if you go to the airport and get the Pink's or something oh, else, don't do it's that. not as good. No, you can't do that. There's one. Lo- you got to go to that location. What's it on? La Cienega or Fairfax? I forget. But it's, it's, it's on Fairfax, I believe. It's on Fairfax. Um, and it's the one in, 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 in the middle of Los Melrose. Angeles. Go to that one and just stand in line if you have to and get it done because that stuff is delicious. Well, I, I don't even know what their hours are right now, but they generally are. I believe they're open 24 hours usually. Um, mm. I know because I've rolled up there like three in the morning and gotten a hot dog. To be honest, guys, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like that. Yeah, Pink's. Well, we're gonna have to go to Pink's hot dogs for breakfast one time too. I gotta do it. Uh, anyway, thanks for uh, enjoying that blue jam with me. I I I love that place. I'm glad you enjoyed the food. I'm not the biggest fan of. I love French toast, but I'm a simple French toast guy. I like. I uh, I don't I'm not really into the crunchy French toast, but I'm gonna try that one because it sounds like it was really good. Uh, oh, give me fancy. Give me weird. I love it all. Ray, thank you for coming in here. This has been uh, very fun. Before we get out of here, I need to get three quick recommendations from Ray Stacanus. Okay, great. What is your guilty pleasure show or movie or video game that you're uh, that you're enjoying right now? I mean, guilty pleasure. I don't feel guilty about anything. I would say I would play a lot of Fallout games. Uh, you and me both are big fans of the Fallout series. I still I went back and I'm still playing Fallout Four this year. And I'm still playing it a lot this year. So if I was to say maybe I should feel guilty because so many new things have come out, uh, I'm a big, big fan of the uh, of the Fallout games, and I play that a lot. As far as TV shows go, a guilty pleasure show. We watch The Masked Singer. We watch it unabashedly. We love The Masked Singer. Uh, it, it, it's it's one of my favorite shows. That and Law and Order SVU. I should probably be embarrassed that I, I love that show, but it's it's like my favorite show on television consistently. The weirder and the dumber it gets, the better it gets, and I will be there till the bitter end with SVU. <laughs> what is the hidden gem show or movie or video game that you love that people may not know? Oh, the hidden gem video game, or I don't know. Well, we talked about Until Dawn. That's still it's a pretty big deal for the horror games for the uh, PS4. I just, you know what? I just recently uh, for PS4 played a game called Detroit: Become Human, which is, I think a game people are aware of. Uh, it's a story based game. It's made in Europe, I believe, and it's it's basically about a, a society where androids a- have 
they have taken over. They haven't taken over. I should. It's a story about how androids have become very mainstream, and people can buy them at relatively affordable rates for all manner of purposes in the world, be they savory, unsavory, uh, maids, athletes. You can have basically androids that can do everything, and it, t- it kind of drops you into that world, playing as three different androids striving for freedom in a world that sees them as property. And I really, I want to go through and play that game again because it's a lot of good stuff having the game. Wonderful acting in that game. Clancy Brown's in that game. So if you haven't had a chance or haven't had the inclination to play Detroit Become Human, that would be uh, the hidden gem I might suggest. Clancy Brown, famous for the Shawshank Redemption, uh, right? Yeah, and I believe he plays Patrick in SpongeBob SquarePants. Oh, does he really? No, he's not Patrick. I'm sorry. He's a different character whose name I'm completely blanking on. Okay. Yeah, I remember Clancy Brown from the Shawshank Redemption. He's the guy that's like, this guy's about to have an accident. And he's almost about to throw Andy Dufresne off the roof. Mm-hmm. Because if you trust your wife, there's no reason you shouldn't, couldn't keep that whole 10,000. Yeah. That, and yep. Clancy Brown is the, yeah, the, the guard that's the mean-looking guard. One of the mean-looking yeah. guards. Shawshank I remember Redemption. him from the 90s movie with Chris Elliott, Cabin Boy, playing a giant. <laughs> wow. That's crazy. <laughs> that's a pull. Uh, Ray, what is your spirit animal show or movie or video game? Oh, my spirit animal show. No, there was a show back in the 90s starring Adrian Pasdar, uh, who went on to do the show Heroes. He was the Flying Man in Heroes, and he played the general in uh, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. more uh, more recently. But he had a show that only lasted, didn't even finish its first season. It got canceled, I want to say, like six episodes in, but that show was called Profit. P-R-O-F-I-T. And Adrian Pasdar plays a psychopath who was raised in a cardboard box who only had a television with which to see the world because he was he was raised very horribly. Now, I don't necessarily identify with that, but I was raised on a television a lot. A lot of my things that I've learned and know come from watching TV at a very young age. So I kind of identify with that aspect. But at the end of the day, he is a sociopath who goes into this corporate office. I don't remember if it's law or what have you. It's been a little bit since I've seen it, but he underhandedly works his way through getting people killed, getting people arrested, getting people fired. And his goal is to become the head of this uh, company. I believe it's actually the company that made the, the refrigerator that the box that he lived in, I believe that's what it actually ended up was. And it's just him using completely underhanded tactics. And, and he's talking and narrating how he's doing it, why he's doing it the whole way. And it's a fun romp through a scary person's mind. And you see other people interacting with him. And I think the show had a lot of meat. I think it had a lot of places to go. I bought the DVD set when it came out. I saw it once. I said, I may never see this again. I'm going to buy it today. And if you have a chance to check it out, I'm sure it's got to be available in some way. Profit with Adrian Pastar. I I loved that show a lot. And I should probably give that a rewatch too. Hmm. Adrian Pastar. Um, from Heroes, he played uh, not one of one of the Petrellis. He was the guy that was the he was the Petrelli um, who could fly. He was the politician on the show, and, and Milo yep. Ventimiglia from uh, This Is Us was his little this brother. Us. Adrian Pastar wrote a uh, musical, and then I the music was done by his ex-wife Natalie Maines, I think is her name from the Dixie Chicks, who's oh, his wow. ex-wife now. Uh, didn't know called that. called Atlanta, and Tress and I went and saw it at this theater in Westwood, and that is one of the shows that I've seen in my life. All right. <laughs> if you would like to get more Brentfast stuff, such as pics of Race to Canis and I enjoying our Brentfast from Blue Jam Cafe, 
go to the brand new Brent Pope website, brentpope.com. You can listen to all the Brentfest episodes there. You can see clips from all my TV appearances. And finally, you demanded it, a Brentfest store with a bunch of fun stuff, shirts, mugs, stickers, masks, perfect for the holidays that are upon us right now. Right now. Right now. People of Earth, I bring you this show for free, but it's not free to make the show, so help us keep this thing going by picking up something from the Brentfest store. You will be glad that you did. On social media, you can hit me up on Instagram at Scoops Pope. Give me a follow, and if you have a breakfast question, ask away. And make sure you also follow my Facebook actor page. And if you like the show, please subscribe. Leave us a review. Share it with friends, especially you who would win people. Do me a favor. Breakfast is being enjoyed all over the United States and in over 30 countries covering six continents, the latest being Romania. And Whoa! trust me, yeah. And trust me, my pancake posse, we are just getting started. Special thanks to my editor, the one and only Rosemary Brown, for all the breakfast slicing and dicing. Much preach. Big ups also to my studio engineer, Daniel Erickson, for making me sound so good. Race to Canis, what is next for you, and where can we find you on social media? Well, you can find me on Twitter, at Almighty Ray. That's where I basically keep my presence. You can find us wherever you do your podcasting, on uh, iTunes or Google Podcasts or whatever the heck you do. And I think we're even on Spotify, Stitcher, the whole crew. You can listen to the Who Would Win show if you enjoy uh, spirited debates that mean nothing at all, <laughs> but are a lot of fun to do. And, and, and it's real to me, darn it. <laughs> and uh, you can listen to Who Would Win show. If you like kind of nerd culture stuff and you enjoy those kind of conversations, or if you are a fan of 80s and 90s cartoons, or just a fan of hearing me talk about things, you can listen to Knowing It's Half the Podcast, the G.I. Joe Recap Show. For all of October, we did Halloween episodes. For all of November, we did Thanksgiving episodes. For all of December, we're doing Christmas episodes. And then we're going to get back and finish out Deke-era G.I. Joe, the early 90s stuff that's quite frankly not very good, which maybe makes it more fun to talk about. We'll be doing that come January. And then, who knows, live-action movies? Probably. Some of the newer cartoons that have come out? Sure. But all along the way, we're going to do tons of 80s and 90s cartoons, and we'll see which ones still hold up and which ones don't. And you can find that also on anywhere that you do your podcasts at all. Thank you. I'm glad we got you in. Uh, it seems fitting that you came right around the holiday season. It's the season of giving. I am a gift. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like I was, uh, yeah, you're a gift uh, that I would give to some people. Happy holidays to everyone, whether you celebrate Christmas, Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, Festivus, whatever. Happy holidays. It's, it's almost the end of the year, right? How do you feel about that? I feel not ready, but I'm ready to let 2020 go. I'm ready to let this let this thing go, like it, like in, like an ailing, like an ailing uh, me. If yeah. I was sick, I would want to get better. <laughs> and with that, we put another GG Easy Worthy episode of Breakfast with Brent Pope in the old to go bag. See ya. <laughs>